The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible, And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we celebrate the uh, solemnity of the Immaculate Conception today, Uh, We have the scriptural references that the church gives us uh, for the foundations of this uh, doctrine, at least uh, some of them are given in today's readings. And so all of the doctrines or proclaimed dogmas of the church must be sourced in scripture in order for them to be uh, valid doctrines, right? So in order for them to be true, they must take their source in what is public revelation. And public revelation closes with the death of the last of the apostles. And so, uh, whether they are explicit or implicit, they must be found within uh, the Scriptures. And so, the scriptural references then for the Immaculate Conception begin right at the beginning. They go back to Genesis. And in Genesis, we already see uh, the promises of the Immaculate Conception in what is called the Protevangelion, right? The first proclamation of the good news. And that first proclamation of the good news comes immediately after the fall. And so the Lord doesn't leave, God doesn't leave His people uh, after the fall without the hope of restoration. And so His immediate consolation to those who have fallen from Him, for those who are in shame, for those who are hiding from Him, He brings this first proclamation of the good news. And the good news is that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. And so there will be this victory that will be worked, uh, obviously by Christ, but also through the woman. And so even in the interpretations throughout the ages, even the Jewish interpretations um, of this uh, text, 
um, especially here, which it says, it gets translated here as, it shall bruise your heel. The reason they sometimes translate it, translate it as it is because it's hard to distinguish whether it is he or she. It's kind of either the woman or the seed, the son, right, that will crush uh, the head of the serpent. And so it is this work, as the church fathers interpreted and as the saints interpreted and as now eventually the church interprets it, the work of salvation uh, is a work that is done through Jesus. Obviously, he is the Savior, but there is also through the participation of Our Lady. And so she becomes the one who is at the head of the army of the Lord, the one who obtains also the victory for God's people. And so we then see prefigurations of this throughout the Old Testament with the likes of Jael or Judith or Esther, and we see how in their victories, their victories over the enemy always have something to do with the head, the crushing of the head. So with Jael, it's the uh, impaling of the tent peg through the head of the enemies of God's people, or else you have with Judith where she cuts off the head, right, of Holofernes, or you have also with Esther where eventually the enemy of God's people is hung from the neck. Uh, and so you have all of these ways in which the victory over evil is prefigured, but it is a work that is also done uh, through Our Lady as well. So she becomes this chosen instrument by which God Himself, Christ, who will be the one who is victorious for His people, but He chooses to come to us through Our Lady. And so the Immaculate Conception is the preparation of the doorway for the coming of Christ. So she becomes this beautiful doorway, this gateway between heaven and earth by which the Word Himself can come to earth. And so then as some of the saints say, if the Lord has chosen to come to us through Mary, then we must go to Him through Mary. And so she becomes also the doorway for us to go to Jesus. And that's explained for us very beautifully in the consecration of uh, St. Louis-Mille de Montfort, where he speaks about Marian devotion and the importance of Marian consecration in our life, which is that when we are consecrated to Our Lady, it is a consecration to Jesus through Mary. So we go back to the Lord in the way that He has come to us. And so she becomes this beautiful uh, doorway uh, where the Lord who will come victorious comes through her. And so then uh, we also see in this promise, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That word enmity, it means a complete distinction. So there is no crossing over. And so that is the, again, pref uh, a kind of a promise of the Immaculate Conception, which is that between Our Lady and the devil and between Our Lady and sin, there will be there will be no crossing over. So she is, complete, she is kept completely free from evil, free from sin. She stands in perfect enmity to what is evil. And so again, she is this one who is at the head of God's people, the head of his army in a particular sense, obviously under Christ, the head of the body. Uh, but she is the one who is then, uh, um, she is the one who is also then victorious over evil. And so this promise, I will put enmity between you and the woman, shows that in her there is this uh, immaculate state, right? So she is preserved by a prevenient grace of the cross. She is preserved by a particular grace that is, is to her alone, that she is preserved free from sin and all the stain of sin in her immaculate conception, free from original sin, but also free from the stain of actual sin. There is no sin in Our Lady ever. And so she is kept immaculate, she is kept free from sin by this beautiful grace of God, which is a prevenient grace of the cross, meaning a grace of the cross, salvation through Christ, which is applied before the time of the cross by God's power and by his own will. And so this prevenient grace keeps her free from sin. And this grace of the Immaculate Conception 
is for the purpose of the fact that she might then become the mother of God. And so the greatest of her graces that is ever given to Our Lady is the fact that she becomes the mother of God. But the Immaculate Conception is necessary so that she might obtain this great grace, so that even though she, is not, uh, she has not merited to become the mother of God, she is truly a worthy dwelling place of the mother of, uh, of God himself because of this Immaculate Conception, because of, again, this sinlessness which is in her. And so then what we see is that um, the effects we know after the first reading for today, the fall of Adam and Eve, the effects of, the, of original sin play out in the generations that come immediately after them. And so what we see is immediately after Adam and Eve, in their own children, in Cain and Abel, we see the wickedness of sin already at play, and we see the death uh, of Abel, who is killed at the hands of his brother. And so it is this tragedy of sin that enters into the world. I was reading through one of the commentaries on the Immaculate Conception, one of the kind of the biblical studies of all of the texts with regards to this doctrine. And it was very interesting. They were pointing out that Cain and Abel uh, represent the fallen human interior. And so what you have with Cain and Abel is Cain, his word, or the, the name for Cain, uh, it means to acquire. So from the Jewish word, it means to acquire. And so in a certain sense, Cain represents the fallen human will, which is always insatiable in self-appropriation, taking things to itself, the satisfaction of the self. And so the fallen human will is represented by Cain, whereas Abel, his name in the Hebrew, uh, comes from the word for vanity. And so Abel, in a certain sense, represents the fallen human intellect, which in its futility uh, acts without divine grace in order to assist it. So you have what is representative of original sin, which is that in original sin we have a fallen intellect and a fallen will, and so that is why we are more prone to sin, why we are uh, tempted towards sin, not only from without but even from within ourselves. And so what we see is that when Cain rises up to kill his brother, that is an image of what happens in sin, where our will rises up and does not act in accordance with our intellect and with truth, and it rises up in order to overthrow what is the truth, and so that is that image of Cain killing his brother is what happens within us when we sin, is that our will rises up, and in a certain sense there is then death within us. We have killed uh, our brother, and so that is also then what happens in sin is that our brother is Christ himself, and so in our sin, in our fallen human will, whenever our will rises up uh, and we sin, we kill our brother, which is the Lord. And so again, he takes upon himself all of the effects of our sin. But in Our Lady, you have a perfect interior. And so with her, you have a perfect will, you have a perfect intellect, and so that she is without stain in her intellect and in her will. And then that's why we have the first reading for today, which as you can see, her will is perfect, be it done unto me according to thy word. So her will completely submits to the word of God, which is his truth. Her will is always perfect, always within the will of God. But we can see that her intellect is also always perfect. And so that what she does is that she believes first, and then she seeks understanding. And that's the way in which we also should live. We believe God first and then seek to understand what we believe. And so that's what the church teaches with faith and reason, is that we have faith, but also that we can seek to understand our faith. The opposite happened with regards to Zechariah. He tried to apply his reason first before believing. 
And so he went and he doubted what was happening. And so he wanted his reason to bring him to belief. And that's not the way in which we work. We work first through faith, and then our reason comes to understand what we believe by faith. Our Lady, we can see, is that she believes first, and then she seeks understanding. Another image of the perfection of her intellect is shown in the finding of Jesus in the temple, which is that when she doesn't understand something, one of the theologians says, she suspends her judgment until God gives light. And so then what happens is she goes into the temple, and so she suspends her judgment. She can also see that she controls her emotions, whereas that she's not overcome with anger, she's not overcome with wrath, she is not, she just simply, her emotions are under control, also her will is under control, and then with her intellect she suspends her judgment until the Lord gives her light. And so she says, why have you done this to us? She seeks understanding. So we see in her this beautiful manifestation of perfection, the perfection of the human soul in Our Lady, the Immaculate Conception, uh, the one uh, who is also the chosen instrument of God by which he comes to us and which on this feast day he calls us to celebrate in a particular way, this beautiful grace that was given to her. And even though it was given to her, it was also given to her for our sake. We benefit from the beautiful grace of the Immaculate Conception in Our Lady. We benefit in that she is the one who then brings us the Savior. Amen.